Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me, in 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. The race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Maybe you'll marry, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much or berate yourself either. Your choices are half chance. So are everybody else's. Enjoy your body. Use it every way you can. Don't be afraid of it or what other people think of it. It's the greatest instrument you'll ever own. Dance. Even if you have nowhere to do it but in your own living room. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They're your best link to your past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. Understand that friends come and go, but with a precious few, you should hold on. Work hard to bridge the gaps in geography and lifestyle, because the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. Live in New York City once, but leave before it makes you hard. Live in Northern California once, but leave before it makes you soft. Travel. 
accept certain inalienable truths. Prices will rise, politicians will philander, you too will get old. And when you do, you'll fantasize that when you were young, prices were reasonable, politicians were noble, and children respected their elders. Respect your elders. Don't expect anyone else to support you. Maybe you have a trust fund. Maybe you'll have a wealthy spouse. But you never know when either one might run out. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. Be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust me, on the sunscreen. Okay. That's all we got for today. <clears throat> that song rocks. That is uh, Baz Luhrmann. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Uh, and then on this uh, video that I'm listening to, feeding this off of there's a long list of references as to why you shouldn't wear sunscreen and why sunscreen can cause cancer and things like that it is bad um but i've heard all of that before but i think that's really funny um these lyrics are taken from an essay written in 1997 by mary schmitz a columnist with the chicago tribune uh, and then uh, baz lerman who is a film director, made an awesome video for it. Um, it was on MTV once, maybe twice. And yeah, there's that song. It's great. I love it. A little cheesy. I'm sure you've all heard it before, but I thought it was a good way to end. So, today's been fun. Great music. Um, we listened to <coughs> Akira Ishikawa, Count Buffalo, Jazz and Rock Band. The song was called Sunrise. Before that was the really creepy one. Uh, called Matter Suspiria Vision. The song was called And On The Seventh Day Pop Ate Itself. That band is fucking retarded. Uh, I don't know if you remember the first show I did, Heartbreak Radio, when I mentioned a boy getting me into witchcraft. Well, he showed me, he didn't get me into it because I'm not into it, but he tried to very, very hard and showed me that band, Matter Suspiria Vision, and they think they're a bunch of fucking German witches. Like, they really think that they are, and they make these goddamn ridiculous new age bullshit music videos that are so f pretentiously stupid. Uh, but I figure we should play that because I like to just challenge you. The Vinci um, Wildlife so Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. 
Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. this week we'll connect this to us a, a new story from Hound dogs on my trail little school children sitting in jail black cat cross my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine we all gonna get it in due time cause I don't belong here I don't belong there. I've even stopped believing in prayer. Don't tell me, I'll tell you. Me and my people just about do. I've been there, so I know they keep on saying go slow. Well, that's just the trouble. Washing the window. Picking the cotton, Ooh, no. nothing but rotten, Ooh, no. too damn lazy, Ooh, no. thinking's crazy. Ooh, no. Where am I going? What am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. Just try to do my very best. Stand up, be counted with all the rest. Cause everybody knows about me. Now you heard him, he's one of you. If you have been moved at all, and you know my songs at all, for God's sakes, join me. Don't sit back there. The time is too late now. Good God, you know, the king is dead. The king of love is dead. I ain't about to be none violent, honey. Oh, dude. 
picket lines, school boycotts. They try to say it's a communist plot, but all I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. And I loved him because he believed it. He lived by it. That was uh, Nina Simone leading us off for with labor and love this week. Uh, Mississippi, goddamn, we're gonna relate this to a a story, a, an almost unbelievable story uh, in the news this week. But let's get on with our intro. We had some rain this week, brother Charlie Morgan. Across my eye. The earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. New Zealand ferns are always green, it rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, Go where you can do some good. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden. Nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, 
cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. Let the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry, I said to the Dipper by name. Reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. People and the animals like to gather where water flows. A beer, some tea, or a water hole, it's there where something grows. And remember the music water makes, the rainy pool and the circle dance. The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall, the laughing creek that feeds the plants. Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned. Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn. Can't waste away the ocean, water, air, or land. If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand. So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Brother Charlie Morgan there with uh, his drought song, which we play every week. Um, and we did get some rain this week, but the uh, and the forecast is for more rain, but it's going to be maybe four years of heavy rains before uh, we get back to where we were before the drought was. And the weather has become so... Um, changed not not evolved the weather is is changing and so we don't really know what's coming where okay this is labor and love and we always remind you here that you got to serve somebody this is beverly crawford Yeah. 
matter what you do, you're going to have to serve somebody. If you don't stand up, you'll be counted as standing up for sitting down.
Okay, um, Beverly Crawford, the, uh, was it? Potter's House Mass Choir, singing You Gotta Serve Somebody. And this is Labor and Love, where we remind you that uh, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. This is the B. And this is Mutiny Radio, our Saturday morning broadcast of the Labor and Love Show. As I said, we ended up there with Beverly Crawford and the Mass Choir. Before that, we had Brother Charlie Morgan with his eloquent, beautiful California drought song. But before those two, we had uh, Nina Simone and Nina Simone singing her song, Mississippi Goddamn. And I played her song. I mean, I love Nina Simone and her work. But I played that song because of something that happened this week. It's actually been happening over a period of two years for 17 months now, 17 months, the people of Flint, Michigan have been drinking polluted water. And people knew the water was polluted. Their water was changed from a clean source and changed to a polluted source to save money. Let's listen to the whole story here. Governor uh, Rick Snyder was pretty bland about the whole thing when he was asked about it. But here's uh, Amy Goodman. Flint Democracy Defense League. What does democracy have to do with clean water? Well, our Snyder has been trampling our democracy for years, really ever since he's been in office, and specifically since Flint has had an emergency manager in December 2011. And our, our city council wanted to go back to Detroit. And our emergency manager, Jerry Ambrose, said it was inconceivable because it was gonna cost too much money. And the, the culture of the emergency manager is money trumps everything. It's more important than people's lives. Um, this is, we don't know what the cost of this is going to be. Like they, 
Karen Weaver said it was going to be 1.5 billion, but that's just the infrastructure. That's not the medical cost it's going to take for people to survive like through their lifetime of care. Now, when you say Karen Weaver, you mean the new mayor, the first woman mayor of Flint, who as soon as she was elected declared a state of emergency, which has brought the crisis of the Flint water supply to the attention of the nation. In December, she announced a state of emergency. She was yesterday standing with uh, Governor Snyder. So right now, Naira Sharif, do you have any confidence that the water is safe? And given that so much of the testing shows it isn't, that many children have been permanently damaged by the lead, uh, have been permanently uh, lead poisoned, um, do people have access to clean water? How are they drinking? How are they bathing? Well, people are doing what they have been doing, what, what they have been doing, and that's purchasing bottled water. If they're able to get a filter, um, they're using that, or they're, they're heating up bottled water. And the question or, is how to get it, the bottled water. Uh, yesterday on NBC, um, a reporter was interviewing um, uh, uh, Reverend Bobby Jackson of the Mission of Hope um, shelter. And he said that he'd been getting some bottled water, you know, charitable contributions, but he was all out. And the reason the reporter went to him is because the city said, I don't know where you can get this bottled water. I mean, if you don't have money, where, how do you get the water? Well, actually, Pastor Bobby Jackson, the Flint Democracy Defense League has Pastor Bobby Jackson as emergency relief site, and we actually started it because people were, they did not have access to water. Their water was shut off because we pay one of the highest rates in the nation. And it's totally like, there there are no really like relief sites. Like it's all charitable contributions. And like as volunteers, we really don't have the capacity and we don't have the space or warehouses or, or forklifts. Like even though now we have a lot of interest in people wanting to send us water, but we're we're all kind of volunteers so we don't really have like a space to store you know 500 600 cases of water and hopefully with the state of emergency resources we can have you know like the the first responders step up with that but it's all been people just kind of doing it all on their own now um the, there has just been announced a federal investigation to what has taken place here. About the same day when uh, Governor Snyder learned this, he announced a state of emergency. There are calls not only um, for uh, a demand for clean water but um, and for the governor to be investigated, but some are calling for him to be arrested. What do you feel, Nayira? Well, I feel like I feel like he should be arrested. He should be, be impeached. Whatever comes where we can get um, some sort of justice, because we haven't had justice. Snyder's, Snyder's apology happened three months af after he, after we went back to Detroit, and we don't know when he actually knew that there was an issue with Flint's water. So he can take his apology and flush it down the toilet.
Just two weeks ago, on December 22nd, Brad Werfel, a spokesman for the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, MDEQ, was presented with documents acquired by Virginia Tech's Mark Edwards and denied the connection between Flint's water and high blood lead levels. This is Werfel speaking by phone to a reporter with Flint's NBC affiliate. I'm saying that, that there's a difference between blood lead levels and water lead levels. Different testing, different sampling, different things. These are Appleton cars. Professor Mark Edwards, can you respond to this? Well, it was really shocking after all that occurred to hear Mr. Werfel say that. So, I, you know, I hope he was taken out of context. But on the other hand, it does sort of illustrate the state's sort of illogic throughout this whole uh, event, especially this small cadre of, of MDQ employees who have misled really everyone, including at, as a result of that email that was sent, the state did a, a quick assessment of what was occurring in the blood lead of Flint's children, and they found increased levels after the switch, but they didn't believe the results because, at least according to my interpretation, MDEQ was insisting that there was nothing wrong with the water. So th this small group of employees is really uh, tried to head off every effort to protect Flint's children, whether it came from outside or inside the state government. Mark Edwards, what needs to be done to clean the water right now? How can people feel that the water they're getting is safe? You've, um, Flint is reconnected to Detroit's water supply now. Yes, and so, you know, the harm that was done to Flint's children and to their pipe system really cannot be undone. I think everything that has been done recently to reduce the corrosivity of water is what needs to be done. It's not until, however, Flint passes a, a federal lead and copper rule sampling that, that actually follows the law. The last two sampling events broke the law in many different ways. Uh, that's another thing that allowed the state to say the water was safe when it wasn't. And until that happened, no one can really assess the safety of Flint's water. Our position is that until they they pass a, a, a legal lead and copper monitoring round, uh, the water has to be assumed unsafe. And Naira, what does the state of emergency mean that the governor of Michigan <clears throat> has declared? Well, um, um, right now, the state is taking the lead on this, and in many ways, it feels somewhat abusive because the state was responsible for the injury to Flint's residents, and now we have to go to our abuser for treatment. So why I hope that, you know, at some point, very quickly, the federal government can intervene. Um, residents in Flint, like, we have no trust with the state. I want to thank you all for being with us. Of course, we'll continue to follow the story. Niara Sharif of the Flint Democracy Defense League. Okay, that was uh, Amy Goodman's take on the uh, scandal in Flint, Michigan. And uh, make no mistake about it, Flint, Michigan is a city that's 58% African-American, 30% uh, white. The Household median, in, the household average household income is uh, $24,000, which is one half of the uh, income average in the state of Michigan. This is why this happened.
These are people without a political voice. Uh, their political voice has been taken from them. They haven't. But this is beyond belief as far as I'm concerned. And like uh, Nina Simone says, <laughs> God damn. God damn. This labor and love show where we engage all issues that affect working people, such as the water in Flint, Michigan. And you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, Beverly Hills is not going to have a polluted water system. And uh, St. Francis Woods and Seacliff here in San Francisco and uh, Atherton and... Uh, Montclair over in the East Bay or uh, anyone of a number of affluent communities will have no water problem. Flint's a city of 100,000 people basically, basically who don't matter to the governor of Michigan. When Snyder was interviewed, he some very polite people from Michigan Public TV talked with him, didn't push him at all, and he came out saying, well, yeah, we're not here to fix blame. Well, what about accountability? What about accountability? They asked him if he would support a Republican, any Republican nominee, and he... They went pretty easy on him. But his last line was that lead comes in a lot of, into people's bodies in a lot of ways. You know, uh, let's make sure we study the whole problem. We're going to stick with this. Uh, we're going to stick with this story. We'll have some more uh, on this story next week. And uh, Nina Simone said it best. God damn. Okay, here's Radio Labor, uh, gathering of news about labor movements and campaigns all over the world. Website is radiolabor.net. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, January 8th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, why Iranian government and military leaders hate teacher unions. China cracks down on independent union organizing and arrests three labor leaders. Plus, the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. Teachers in Iran are fighting back as best they can against a government determined to make sure they are paid poverty-level wages and cannot teach effectively. I talked to one of the Iranian unionists who is fighting for the better treatment of teachers in Iran. Akbar Zarin was elected as a union leader by teachers in Esfahan, the country's third largest city. I reached Mr. Zarin in Tehran, where he is now located and organizing rallies on behalf of teachers. We spoke through an interpreter. I asked him first what he considered the main issue being faced by the members of his union. Uh, 
Our union is has a big problem. We have we are totally disconnected with our central council, and local unions know the problems and they work on that. But the central council always creates issues. Is the government working to improve education in the country? He's saying that, uh, unfortunately, uh, the way that the government budget is uh, set out is mostly in favor of the military and the clergy. So that's why uh, nobody is really paying good attention to the teacher's condition and situation and uh, the wages. Can you tell us, in your opinion, why the government is not working to improve education? They, the government is not really trying to allow us to uh, improve our education. They're trying to keep the level of the education at the level that was about 35 years ago. They don't want the students to be educated with new material. We have to uh, keep on uh, providing the same and exact information that we were giving the students 25 years ago, and they try to show or have this kind of a um, implication inside the society that the teachers are asking for too much and they don't deserve any more and this is at a time that he's saying all the other uh, employees in different sectors and stuff they get beside their salaries they get a really good bonus they even allow uh, workers at the factories like the steel factory of the Isfahan, which is a very well-known factory, to have uh, bonuses to allow allowance to get their books and stuff. But they don't allow teachers to have books. They don't give them bonuses to buy books. They are saying that we need these books to improve ourselves to and pass on to the students. You can hear an extended version of my interview with Mr. Zareen on the Radio Labor website. Interpretation was provided by Hamid Garaji, a longtime activist with the International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. Workers in China are increasing their fights for decent treatment, resulting in arrests and detentions by the authorities. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamary Ainsborough reports. The Chinese government is cracking down on independent labor organizing as more workers are bypassing the officially recognized union to fight for their rights. The respected NGO, China Labor Bulletin, reports that in the southern province of Guangdong, where many of the country's industrial facilities are located, the number of strikes and protests have increased dramatically. In July, there were 23 reported labor actions. In November, there were 56. Part of the problem faced by the workers, as they try to have their grievances addressed, is the government's insistence that they work only through the single, officially approved labor body. The All-China Federation of Trade Unions, the ACFTU, is in effect a department of the government. 
Too often, say a growing number of Chinese workers, the Federation ignores workers' complaints or else it sides with the employer. The Federation is also known to make sweetheart deals with employers such as Walmart. However, more and more, workers are taking matters into their own hands. For example, just recently, 40 sanitation workers in a southern university town set up picket lines as they took on their employer. Su Shimai is an independent labor organizer who has been working with the sanitation workers. Confronting management should never scare you, she told the workers as they started their strike. Hold on firm to your demands, she said. The bosses will never voluntarily give you anything. We can win. And they did. The workers left their employer with severance payments and were able to negotiate a better contract with a new sanitation company. This victory and others may be why the Chinese authorities have cracked down on labor organizers. Three labor activists have been imprisoned and the fate of four others is unknown. Many other workers have been taken to the local police station to be intimidated and then released. The China Labor Bulletin says that many more such incidents will take place as more workers demand decent wages, benefits and working conditions. This is C. Marie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labor. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 4,000 stories that our volunteers collected since our last report. Our top story section included links to news about the planning of a general strike for peace in Turkey, the attempted assassination of a Somali union leader, and the ongoing campaign by unions around the world to win the release of Chinese labor rights activists. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Scottish postal workers walked off the job when their employer refused to reinstate a co-worker despite a court order to do so. There were multiple strikes by mostly women workers at garment factories located in the no unions allowed special economic zones of Cambodia. Kuwaiti dockers downed tools in a wage dispute as did South African police officers. Pakistani municipal workers ended their three-week-long walkout after their wages arrears was made good, while their comrades at Pakistan International Airlines continued a series of flash strikes over the planned privatization of the national airline. Tea garden workers in Bangladesh started a wage dispute. Rail workers in Ghana downed tools over unpaid wages, while their colleagues in the state bank staged a sit-down protest uh, over the sacking of a union leader. Korean fast food workers were protesting demands that they work for free. The recent Belize docker strikes were made illegal retroactively. And in Argentina, state workers took a day off work to attend a rally to protest attacks on their job security. Our top working women stories included coverage of the decree reserving leadership positions for women in Vietnamese unions, union support for the creation of a women-only bank in Zambia, and pension inequality in Britain. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about public transport workers in the UK who are using false names to escape unhappy passengers who follow them home and the deaths of 10 tunnel construction workers in India. Currently, Start is running six online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. 
And that's it. International labor news you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available Monday to Friday on its website, iTunes, Twitter, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. If your labor organization wants a customized radio report for a campaign free of charge, contact us via our website at www.radiolabor.net. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, there's our radio labor report. And as we always say, you're only alone when you don't stand up. And if you don't stand up, they'll count that you stood up for sitting down. Radio Labor. So book on the Radio Labor website to help the uh, unionists in China who are, uh, have been jailed. People there are intimidated. All over the world, employers hate unions. This is something we can all organize together around um, as unionists, as labor people all over the world. This is the situation. Let's listen now to our Winreek in Review. Um, There's a labor report about actions in the United States. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. AFL-CIO President Rich Trumka has a message for Donald Trump. Stop dividing working people along racial and religious lines. And he urges working people not to listen to this divisive talk. Trump says he'll divide and deport immigrant families. He'll build a huge wall on the border. He said workers' wages are too high. Forget about increasing your pay. He thinks wages are already too high. He says it's okay to treat people differently just because of their religion and to beat up protesters at his rallies. I've been around a while and I've heard that kind of thing before. Politicians trying to divide working people, talking about us and them. Every time we listen to that kind of talk in a coal mine or an office or a factory or in a voting booth, we end up weaker and poorer. 28,000 university workers in New York will get wage hikes thanks to Governor Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo says he's using executive action powers to raise the state university minimum wage to $15 an hour. Governor Cuomo says New York residents pay $6,800 in extra taxes for each minimum wage worker at companies like McDonald's because those workers are paid so little they qualify for public assistance. He says in New York State that corporate free ride is over as he continues to back the Fight for 15 movement. Well, I'm getting out of the hamburger business. Let McDonald's pay for their own workers. Let the fast food workers have a decent wage because we are done being abused as a workforce so we can subsidize the richest corporations in this country. That's not going to happen. The home supply chain Menards is having employees sign arbitration agreements that may not be legal. Janet Payne, a nine-year employee for Menards in Indiana, was fired in June of 2014 when she brought a federal case challenging her firing. Menards revealed the arbitration agreement in an effort to defeat her claim. Marissa McDermott is Payne's Indiana attorney. That is really what we see as being the major illegality here is that we don't know how many people have signed these agreements, so they never bothered 
to call a lawyer. They never bothered to pursue their rights because they didn't think they had any. SEIU Local 73 in Chicago will push for the city to arm hundreds of its members serving as airport security officers at O'Hare and Midway airports. SEIU 73 Secretary-Treasurer Matt Brandon says these officers have police training, but since they're unarmed, they've been told to run and hide. If violence breaks out, the union wants these officers to be allowed to carry guns. First of all, it's a personal safety problem because a lot of these men and women guard what are known as the access entry points to the airfield. So they're at vital safety points at the airport, along with patrolling the terminals and different areas of the airport, but they're unarmed. In today's climate, we think that's ridiculous. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Please give me your attention. I'll introduce to you... Okay, that was our workers' independent news. Uh, Doug Cunningham, the, it's the WIN website, if you want to consult it yourself. And we had uh, started on our next segment, Mr. Block. <laughs> right now, I want to play a song for a very special girl. Um, her name is Selena, and tomorrow... She's going to have her birthday. So I want to play this special song to her. I hope you're listening, Jolie. Happy birthday, Johnny Cash. Sunshine, you make me happy when 
skies are gray You'll never know, dear How much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away Johnny Cash there with a special song for a special girl. Tomorrow, uh, Miss Selena will be two years old. This is Labor and Love. And we've so far covered the scandal in Flint, Michigan. Still hard to believe, isn't it? Maybe not. And we go along with it. You know, we vote for people like Trump. We vote for people like Paul LePage, who this week claimed that the drug problem in Maine was that people with hustler names were coming to Maine and uh, selling their drugs and leaving, going back to Connecticut or New York. Oh, and by the way, maybe they impregnate some white girl. This is what LePage said. People vote for these people. People vote for Ted Cruz. Amazing. So we got Green Day, and they're going to call out the people who do that voting. This is called American Idiot. Green Day.
that was American Idiot. Um, just in case the, the lyrics weren't clear. American Idiot. Don't want to be an American Idiot. Don't want a nation under the new mania. And can you hear the sound of hysteria? The subliminal mind fuck America. Welcome to a new kind of tension all across the alienation where everything isn't meant to be okay. Television dreams of tomorrow. We're not the ones who are meant to follow. Well, that's enough to argue. American Idiot by uh, Green Day. And this is an earlier iteration of American Idiot. This is uh, Mr. Block, a song by Joe Hill. Give me your attention. I'll introduce to you a man that is a credit to our red, white, and blue. His head is made of lumber and solid as a rock. He is a common worker and his name is Mr. Block. And Block, he thinks he may be president someday. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache, tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Yes, Mr. Block is lucky, he found a job by G. The shark got seven dollars for job and fare and fee. They shipped him to a desert and dumped him with his truck. But when he tried to find his job, he sure was out of luck. He shouted, that's the wrong. I'll fix them with the law. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. The money kings in Cuba blow up the gunboat main, but Block got awful angry and blamed it all on Spain. He went right in a battle, and there he lost his leg. And now he's peddling showstrings and he's walking on a peg. He shouts, Remember Maine, hooray to hell with Spain. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache, tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Poor block, he died one evening. I'm very glad to state. He climbed the golden leather up to the pearly gate. He said, oh, Mr. Peter, one word I'd like to tell. I'd like to meet the Astorbilts and John D. Rockefeller. Oh, Pete said, is that so? You'll meet them down below. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. 
That was Mr. Block, a song by uh, Joe Hill. Stop that right now. Um, Mr. Block, a song by Joe Hill, and Mr. Block was a comic strip drawn by IWW artist, and Mr. Block was like uh, Fulano de Tal, Mr. Everyman, but Everyman who believed the propaganda that his uh, government and the corporations and the capitalists put out. So here's Mr. Block. This is called He Works in the Woods. <clears throat> I think it's from 1912. Block is walking by. Block's got a, uh, a sleeping pack, a uh, wrap, a sleeping bag, and he walks past the employment agency and he goes, I am going to ship out and make a nice steak. The IWW told me that they rob you out there but I don't believe it. It's against the law. And there's an employment agency where it says, uh, ship out. Long job, good pay, fine climate, beautiful scenery, fee only $3. Mr. Block goes up and starts chopping down trees to make money. It's pretty stiff, and the grub is rotten, and the bunks are crummy, but I'll stick it out, says Block. And the boss comes and says, I'm sorry, Block, the work is getting slack, and I have to lay you off. In other words, I can't make money off you anymore. Well, but he goes to the office. Block goes to the office. I have two weeks' pay coming anyhow. Now, you got to know, Mr. Block's head is a cube. And the boss in the payment office says, two weeks' pay, that's correct. But we have to deduct $7 for fare and also poll tax, road tax, school tax, and hospital fee. There's also a 10% discount. You owe me $1.50. Can you pay it now? And Block ends up walking down uh, the railroad track saying, maybe those IWWs were right. Perhaps I'll join them uh, when they get a little stronger. So that's Mr. Block. <clears throat> Labor and Love, we're right at the 11 o'clock hour. Hope you're having a good Saturday and hope we're uh, reaching you with uh, Labor and Love for, by, and about working people. Um, opinion, commentary, labor history. Join us every Saturday morning at 10 or if you can't make that, on the mutiny.fm, mutinyradio.fm uh, mutinyradio.fm website mutinyradio.fm slash uh, labor and love. In any case, come on down to Mutiny Radio. There are all kinds of things happening. It's, the big uh, comedy festival 
a whole week of comedy and comedy programs here at Mutiny Radio. Beginning early in March, I'll get some uh, more information about that for you. Uh, I've just got a lot of things happening. We call it Mutiny Radio, but it's more like an art center. As a matter of fact, we're going to install today the Labor is Labor History is Your History exhibit, 13, 14 poster-sized portraits of labor leaders. Uh, they're based on a set of labor cards, which I worked on with uh, UESF and uh, California Federation of Teachers. So, don't be a Mr. Block. Don't be an American idiot. This is one of Dylan's songs, just a simple song about injustice, the injustice that's visited on people who don't have uh, political power. Bad news, bad news came to me where I sleep. Turn, turn, turn again. Saying one of your friends is in trouble deep. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. Tell me the trouble, tell me once to my ear. Turn, turn, turn again. Juliet prison and 99 years. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. Oh, what is the charge of how this came to be? Turn, turn, turn again. Manslaughter in the highest of degrees. Turn, turn. sat down and wrote the best words that I could write. Turn, turn, turn again. Explaining to the judge I'd be there on Wednesday night. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. Without a reply, I left by the moon. Turn, turn, Right. 
crash on the highway, flew a car into a field. Turn, turn, turn again. There was four persons killed, and he was at the wheel. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. And I know him as good as I'm knowing myself. Turn, turn, turn again. And he wouldn't harm a life that belonged to someone else. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. He just spoke out of the side of his mouth. Turn, turn, turn again. Saying the witness who saw. Judge jerked forward and his face it did freeze. Turn, turn, turn again. Saying, could you kindly leave my office now, please? Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. The room was funny and I stood up so slow. Turn, turn, turn again With no other choice Except but far to go Turn, turn to the rain and the wind I walked in the hallway And I heard his door slam Turn, turn, turn again I walked down the courthouse stairs And I did not understand Thank you. 
I played my guitar through the night to the day. Turn, turn, turn again. And the only tune my guitar could play was old, cool. General Motors. 
Monty and Lockheed, and that welfare line keeps growing, growing, growing. Now Congress says we can't afford to subsidize the needy, but before we slash the safety net, let's tell the truly greedy. We're gonna end welfare as we know it, and get those greedy chiselers off the dole. We're gonna end welfare as we know it, teach them a little self-control. For far too long we've allowed these corporate hogs to belly up to the public trough. No more welfare as we know it, no more handouts, cut them off. It's for their own good, no more handouts, cut them off. That was uh, the Corporate Welfare Song by Ann Feeney, a prominent uh, labor social justice singer. The Corporate Welfare Song, No More Welfare As We Know It. Get those corporations off the dole. You say it'll never happen? <laughs> we have to hope and work so that it will. Before that, we had Bob Dylan's Percy song, which uh, I understand, thanks to uh, Brother Charlie Morgan, who informed me that's Bob Dylan's adaptation of an English song, an English folk song called The Rain and the Wind. Beautiful song, a simple tale of uh, injustice, a simple tale of uh, the powerless, um, being oppressed by the powerful. Can't really say uh, my chels. That was um, Bob Dylan. I want to talk a little bit about a story from the nation. And it's about uh, Emeryville, a city right across the uh, bay from us, which just recently raised its minimum wage to $14.44. I'll read a couple of paragraphs, but if you want more information, go to thenation.com. Greetings from Emeryville, home of the country's highest minimum wage. On a crisp November morning in Oakland, 50 people dressed in red t-shirts burst into a McDonald's, bringing breakfast orders to a halt. From behind the counter, several cashiers gaped at the scene where an orderly line of customers had been replaced by a rowdy crew that bounced and shouted, calling for the restaurant to raise its, wa raise its wages to $15 an hour. A supervisor whipped out her cell phone and began filming. The chant directed at the workers grew louder. Come on out, we've got your back. After giving it some thought, three female employees walked past their supervisor, clocked out and joined the protesters. The crowd erupted in cheers. That was a group of striking fast food workers uh, in the East Bay. 
Emeryville is a wedge of city long overshadowed by its neighbors, Oakland and Berkeley. It once teamed with card rooms, speakeasies, and brothels, serving as a destination for folks who wanted to do the sorts of things that weren't allowed back home. Local District Attorney Earl Warren, who would later become Chief Justice of the U.S., famously declared Emeryville the rottenest city in the Pacific Coast. The city's current reputation, to the extent that it has one, is as the Mall of the East Bay, a mecca for shoppers. That mecca needs workers. Let's see what happened to one worker. Tyler Wright, a fast food worker at uh, Pack and Save. The wage was raised from 9 to 14. This spring, news that Emeryville workers would be getting a raise spread quickly at Pack and Save. We were all very excited. Wright tells me, smiling widely, though it was a warm afternoon in August, she was bundled up in a gray UC Berkeley hoodie to ward off the chill from the refrigerator aisles. It feels like we're actually making more money. Wright has already noticed a major, major change in her life. The obvious difference was financial. After taxes, her weekly checks now come to nearly $500. She can pay her bills, help her mom out, and still have what she calls some rollover money to put in the bank. This has lightened everyone's load. My mom is way more relaxed, she says, gesturing to Sonia, who smiles and nods. It's a longer story, and it does go into the fact that $15 per hour living in the San Francisco Bay Area still isn't a living wage. It's going to take uh, more than that. Uh, this last year, 19, uh, 2015, we lost a great popular leader. I don't know how many people were aware of the death of Reyes Lopez Tijerina, the leader of the Alianza de las Mercedes, the land grant organization in New Mexico. Just to be brief, a lot of uh, native New Mexicans, when New Mexico was part of Spain and then part of Mexico, were granted uh, land by the king or the Mexican government. And part of the infamous Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, where the U.S. basically ripped off a third of Mexico's territory, or a half, these land grants were, the United States agreed to respect these land grants. Well, of course they didn't. The United States ignored them or they made them so difficult, made it so difficult to register these land grants that people couldn't do it. In the 60s, this man, Reyes Lopez Tijerina, took up this issue. 
El Paso, Texas is the, uh, the dateline, the location. Family members and activists gathered here for a three-day celebration of the great life and legacy of revolutionary freedom fighter Reyes Lopez Tijerina. Those who call him El Tigre de Norte and all who spoke of him described him as a man of deep conviction. A self-taught man who used the Bible and this nation's original documents, treaties and laws to obtain justice for his people. Born September 21st, 1926 in San Antonio, Tijerina inspired many during the turbulent 60s and continued delivering counsel and advice to members of the various activist groups such as the Brown Berets until his last days. Tijerina was the most, to many people, Tijerina was the most militant and influential advocate for Chicano rights. Chavez steadfastly promoted and engaged in nonviolent protests while Tijerina actually led an armed raid on New Mexico's Tierra Amarilla County Courthouse in 1967. He saw his actions simply as conducting a citizen's arrest. They went to arrest a district attorney, I think, named David Sanchez, and showing at his people they had no longer to fear corrupt law enforcement officials. Tijerina also worked in the Poor People's Campaign, was an ally of Martin Luther King. Malcolm X declared him as a champion of his people. Reyes Lopez Tijerina, a freedom fighter for the uh, Chicano movement. And uh, I'll see if I can uh, find uh, some audio so you can hear Tijerina uh, talking. Okay, The Rebel Girl, song by Joe Hill, talking about the great Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. More about her in a minute. Here we go, The Rebel Girl. Yeah. 
Russ and his army green sat down in a booth in a cafe there gave his order to a girl with a bow in her hair he's a little shy so she give him a smile and he said would you mind sitting down for a while and talking to me I'm feeling a little
13-year-old Ahmed Mohammed left his high school in handcuffs after his English teacher mistook his homemade clock for a bomb. Yikes. But this isn't an isolated incident. Islamophobia happens all over the United States and around the world. Jessica Ramsey. Why you shouldn't hate Muslims. Ahmed's story is just another reminder of how difficult life is for Muslim Americans post 9-11. Pew reports show that one in three Muslim Americans are singled out for TSA screenings every year. And according to the ACLU, Muslim women in the U.S. are more likely to encounter discrimination if they wear a hijab. Would Ahmed's homemade clock been seen as a bomb if his name was Adam? Probably not. Across the country and around the world, too many people assume that Muslims are automatically worthy of suspicion or inherently dangerous. So let's go ahead and knock that stereotype flat on its face. Here are four reasons that you don't need to be afraid of Muslims. Islam is the world's second largest religion. In 2010, they made up 23% of the world's population. So if they were really all bomb-making terrorists, we'd be in big trouble. But they're not, which is why we're all fine. Islam is a peaceful religion. It's not full of terrorists like TV. TV and movies will have you believe. The word Islam means surrender, and it's related to the Arabic word for peace. You've also probably heard jihad thrown around in the news, but it's 100% not about violence. It doesn't mean holy war, it actually means struggle, as in it can be a struggle to stay true to your religious beliefs and do the right thing. Jihad absolutely is not about going to war with other religions, and anyone who says otherwise is just wrong. Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS don't represent all Muslims. The same way the Westboro Baptist Church, who angrily pickets gay weddings and funerals, doesn't represent all Christians. There are extremists in every religion. You can't judge the whole group by the bad actions of a few. Since September 11th, more people have been killed in the U.S. by white supremacists, anti-government fanatics, and other non-Muslim groups compared to Muslim extremists. So this fear of Muslim terrorist threat here in the U.S. is kind of irrational. Ahmed's story is so upsetting because even a scrawny 14-year-old kid who loves science can't escape the stigma that comes along with his name and religion. There are almost three million American Muslims, each with their own stories and identities. They deserve to be seen as individuals instead of whatever stereotype you've seen on your TV screen. So what do you think it'll take to change the average American's perception of Muslim people? Tell us in the comments and we will see you next week with another mini episode of Decoded. Francesca Ramsey, <clears throat> an MTV uh, personality with her show Decoded, why you shouldn't hate Muslims. Islam, yes, Islam means surrender to the will of God, a.k.a. peace. Um, the jihad is struggle, either personal struggle or struggle against those who are harming the uh, community. This is Labor and Love, and uh, one of the favorite, favorite tactics of the powers that be is to divide us, to, to divide us. They would love to have us divided into Christian and Muslim, Jewish, all divided up and uh, unable to work together well, we had my all-time favorite country group, the Dixie Chicks, with their song, Traveling Soldier. And uh, before that, we had uh, Hazel Dickens singing about the Rebel Girl, the Rebel Girl being Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. 
an IWW organizer who at the age of 17 was uh, kicked out of high school for advocating socialism. Uh, she did things like chain herself to a telephone pole to delay her arrest in Seattle uh, free speech movement. Um, Flynn later in her, her life uh, joined the Communist Party. All her life long as an IWW organizer, she worked tirelessly for the rights of working people. Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, the rebel girl. This is the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan. I want to read uh, a secret that a lot of people might not know, know of. The National Labor Relations Board, uh, National Labor, Labor Act. Under Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act, workers in most industries, whether they're union members or not, have the right to carry out concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or other mutual aid or protection. Concerted activity usually means two or more employees acting together to pr try and improve pay and working conditions. But recent decisions have applied the definition even to one worker acting on behalf of a group. If workers face retaliation, the NLRB can order their employer to restore what was unlawfully taken away. We think the right to engage in protective concerted activity is one of the best kept secrets of the National Labor Relations Act and more important than ever in these difficult economic times. That's a quote from NLRB Chairman Mark Gaston Pierce in 200, 2000. 12. It's a struggle, you know. It's going to be a struggle. Our nation is now officially an oligarchy. So that means all those rights that we thought we had under quote unquote democracy, which a lot of people never really had, are gone. We're, we're an oligarchy. The rich, 1%, whatever you want to call them, the top 100 richest families control over half the wealth, 40, well, say 40% of the wealth in the United States. And they buy and sell politicians who make our laws. However, we've got Linda Tilroy in the Cultural Im Heritage Choir telling us, don't you ever let nobody drag you down. Pardon me. 
Uh, we'll have Linda Tillery in a minute. This is the B, and I'm about getting ready to sign off. I want to thank uh, my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez, my daughter, Vita, back in town for a little while, and the family, Solina, Nepo, Vita, all you other guys out there. Let's see if we got Linda Tillery now. Don't you ever let nobody drag you down. There we go. Linda Tillery.
Linda Tillery and the uh, Cultural Heritage Orchestra. Don't let nobody drag your spirit down. This is the B. <coughs> Signing off. Hang in there for uh, Flat Black Plastic. Coming right up with Scott Walker. <coughs> Excuse me. And remember about the uh, Comedy Festival here at Mutiny Radio. Another cultural event from your friends at Mutiny Radio, 2781 